Thank you for worship leading today. Appreciate you. Love your shirt. The Southern California weather, don't you love it? You look at these people around uh, and you just think, well, we're 80 some degrees today. Well, we want to welcome everybody. Good to see you. Glad you're a part today. Uh, remember, each week we're here at 10 o'clock, both uh, in service and online. Encourage you to pass on the, the word as well, too. You can always download the message notes, our kids' activity sheet. Wherever you are, you can forward that on to people. But let me just mention this one thing, and then we'll get on uh, today. Uh, I hope that you're following along in the one-year chronological Bible. We're almost in the one more day through Genesis. I mean, it goes so fast. So if you haven't, you can go to our website. On our website, there's two places that allow you to preview it at Bible.com. You can, from your phone, from your tablet, from a computer, uh, you can follow along. And in fact, it'll help you every day to check off that list. Now, don't just read it to check the list off. Some of you like overachievers that when there's a task left, you've got to finish it. No, no, we're not trying just to check the list off of the Bible because when we read the Bible, we want it uh, reading into us, speaking into our lives. Even if you only read one verse, I remember my mom, when she would make us memorize scripture, she said, I want you to go and get your Bible and I want you to memorize a scripture. Well, I always wrote out Jesus wept. That only worked one time, right? Couldn't, couldn't, that was too easy. No, she wanted me to take time and, and, and memorize it. And that's, that's the power of the word into us. It's not just some document or some fact. It's his word speaking to us. Even when we look at the, we're going through Joseph, when you look at how God took him and used his life, man, he went from a pit back up to a palace, right? Back in the prison, back up the palace, falsely accused, all of the bit, but God put him in the position at the right time in the right place, and it's an encouragement to us. So I encourage you to do that. In fact, what's also great is to do it with some friends or somebody to keep each other accountable in your Bible reading. So you can, anyway, one year chronological Bible, we'll get through the entire Bible in a year. And for those of you overachievers, like I like to do is I read my proverb on the date, uh, like today's the 17th, Proverbs 17 for today. All right. Well, we'll receive our tithes and offerings uh, today, and I want to read two verses out of Proverbs chapter 3. Interesting that this is mentioned in Proverbs, because Proverbs really is about wisdom proverbs most of uh, the beginning of proverbs is solomon sharing what was taught to him by his father and mother david and bathsheba but he writes this early on in proverbs 3 9 and 10 and it says these words honor the lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase so everybody say so that's in the script right so your barns will be filled with plenty and vats will overflow with new wine. Does anybody have a barn in their backyard? Does anybody, oh, don't, don't raise your hand if you have a vat full of new wine right in the back. Now, in the mind of a Jewish farmer when they read this, you know, that barn full was not only feed for the animals, but that, that was their food. Wine was also, uh, really, that was the common drink of the day because it had taken that time to be purified, unlike water. Some of those guys were letting it purify a little bit too long, you know, especially when we read about Noah and them. 
But in the mind of them was, when you honor the Lord with the first fruit, so what the Lord does is honor you with filling up your barn, filling up your vat of wine. I remember reading in a, it was actually a Jewish Hebrew encyclopedia that this is what it meant to a, a Jewish farmer. You have your first lamb, and you take that lamb, and it's presented as an offering before the Lord. You don't know if you're going to get a second one, right? You don't know if it was a one and done. But that was the bit of the position of trusting God. You trust him with the first, and he comes through with all the rest. So let's pray this prayer today. In fact, we'll put it up on the screen. Don't just read it along to read it. Would you pray it? Let's pray it together in our heart, believing and trusting our Father. Let's do this together. Ready? As I give in today's offering, I receive all that the Lord will open up to me of his good treasure and give me surplus of prosperity so that I can be generous on all occasions and be led by the Holy Spirit. I choose to honor the Lord today with my first fruits offering in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Hey, if you're giving today in service, you can grab the envelope that's in the back seat. There's a slot on the wall that you can drop it off, or you can go online. Uh, if you go to our website, you can click on the Give button, and it's uh, safe, fast, and secure. Amen. All right, well, grab your Bibles. If you have your Bibles with me, or if they're on your phone, we'll put our scriptures on the screen as well, too. And I want to look at a couple places today. In fact, let's Open up to Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1. It's going to be the simplest title of a message. In fact, if you even left after hearing these two words, you would have got the message. And it's actually going to be pulled out of Jesus's words to those early disciples. And it's the word, follow me. If you hear anything today out of any of these scriptures, my prayer is you remember these two words every day of your life where Jesus said, it's not just us saying, Jesus said, follow me. It wasn't just to the 12. We read in the Bible where he would say that to other people, the rich young ruler. He said it to crowds, follow me. And all of those that he said to follow me, they would tell others, hey, follow him, right? But it's something that we do. You know, um, if you're doing anything new for New Year's, how many of you do, well, you don't need to raise your hand, New Year's resolutions, New Year's goals. How many of you are laughing right now, right? How many of you have been there, done that, right? So, you know, we, we just kind of, we're doing so good from last year, we just kind of keep going on. Well, you know, it used to be said that a habit took 21 days, that if you did something for 21 days in a row, that you established a habit. Now, these guys that study emotional intelligence tell you that's false, that you have to rewire almost your brain, and so it takes six months to a year to establish a habit. I think I agree with that a little bit more, because you can almost do anything for 21 days, but it's the six-month or even the year mark where it becomes like a habit. I was thinking back because when, when Jesus talks about following him, that's not a habit. Well, I formed this new habit in my life. No, the following him is a relationship. If I told my wife, we only talk on Wednesday night from 5 to 7 p.m., is that a marriage? Right, right. That sounds like a job interview, doesn't it? That, how long would that last? How long would a communication or... 
No, because in a relationship you talk all the time. Habits, though, um, we use those as examples like we do our Bible. We start doing it every day, and that habit really turns into us like a love relationship. So I was remembering back. I do this every night. I sleep with a pillow over my eyes or a blanket over my head every single night. You know why I do that? Because when I was 17 years old and I had moved into college, my bed was next to a window that had, at the time, this was before LED spotlights, right, in parking lots. It was the brightest, it was one of those gas-filled lights. It lit up my room. It was almost like having the Bethlehem star every night shining into my room. Now, back in the days, early college, you know, you're staying up late studying. You didn't want to get up at the crack of dawn, but that sun would come up and it would go right through my window. This is before you could all get those darkening shades or, you know, any of that. So I learned at 17 years of age to put a pillow or a blanket over my face. I've been doing that for 36 years. Did it last night. Thought about it last night. So I'm going to use this example today. That's become a habit. And you know what? I probably don't need to do that anymore. But I wake up at the littlest light that's left on. If somebody has a nightlight and I see it, I'm wide awake. Right? There's a light, a lamp in a bathroom, or if there's something downstairs, if I see light, I am wide awake. And that's always helped me. But that's a habit that's formed. Jesus is talking to us about a relationship. Right? It's not a habit. It's a, it's a relationship. So I want to read this just so that we get familiar. Mark chapter 1. And I want to read verses 14 through 20. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. It says this. Now after John, that's John the Baptist. After John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the, king, the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and say it with me. Believe in the gospel. Very interesting because there's nothing written for them except the uh, Old Testament at that time, the law. There's nothing written like the gospel because he's proclaiming the gospel as he goes. He wants them to repent and listen to the words that he said. So that's why he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And he walked by the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon, now later that's Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, they were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. You've probably read this over and over. You've probably looked at this is this becomes his disciples. But you know what we read a little later in the gospel is that Jesus spent time all night long praying on a mountain of who he should choose. And evidently, as he went down, he went down and called these guys out. So he calls out Simon, calls out his brother Andrew, follow me. Do we read 
uh, what the payment's going to be if they leave off. Here's your annual salary. We're going to start you at a 401k plan. We're hoping to, to start you off with at least two weeks off a year. No, did he say any of that? What does Jesus say? Follow me. And what do these guys do? They drop their nets and they follow him. James and John, right? They call them the, the sons of thunder, the brothers of Zebedee. In fact, the word in the Greek when we read here, when they drop their nets, is a word that is translated like divorce. Saying that they almost divorced their father from taking that business to follow after Jesus. They don't know what they're following. But Luke gives us a little bit of a, a insight. If you want to read uh, Luke chapter 4 and on, Jesus preaches his first sermon after he's been in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights. He preaches in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. They probably heard that. The very next thing we read is that Jesus will heal Peter's mother-in-law. Okay, And that's before he's calling them out. So they've seen healings. Then there's a very interesting thing that you read is about sunset one night, Jesus goes and he heals people. He delivers people that are demon-oppressed. In the evening is when everything kind of wind down and it got so, so dark. But Jesus continued to minister. So these guys had seen some signs. The, uh, the wedding where he turned water to wine is probably before he's called them all out. Probably a good indication before that. But in this, they're going to leave everything behind. Remember, if you were back in Bible days, here's the jobs you probably did. You were either a fisherman, you were a farmer, you probably were some type of blacksmith, you were a carpenter. There's no tech jobs, right? Sorry here, I'm on my computer. You know, I can't, no, there's none of that. It's all of those type of working jobs. Some probably had some type of restaurant or or something back then, but those were the jobs that they had. And so it wasn't just that they left, you know, hanging out with dad, fishing one afternoon. That was their livelihood. And they dropped it all to follow somebody that said what? Follow me. But it became such a stir in their life that they dropped everything to follow him. You know, somewhere in our world today, there's a soldier where his commander is going to say, Follow me, we're going to take this hill. And what's the soldier going to do? He's going to take the hill. Because the commander has given him that order and he's been trained to follow. I don't think these guys were trained. In fact, we know that even in the early church in the book of Acts, when they came before the judges of that day, they knew they were untrained men, but they also recognized who they had been with. They had been with Jesus. Listen to this verse out of John chapter 8, verse 12. John captures it this way. And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me. Here's that word again, right? Follow me. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Did these 12 disciples have it all together? No, right? Peter takes a sword to the prayer meeting in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Peter's packing heat for the prayer meeting, right? I'm just going to bring a sword, just in case. 
just in case I got to cut somebody's you know, ear off of their head. That's, that's Peter, right? He's that rougher exterior guy. No, all of them were a work in progress. You and I, sorry to say, are all a work in progress, right? Find somebody right around you and say, you know, he's talking about you. You're a work, right? You're a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. But the question at the end of the day comes back, are you following him? Are you following after him? Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I love how Jesus kind of makes this, uh, oh, I, I, I like that one bit where um, Nathaniel, who's going to be one of the disciples, do you know what he says about Jesus when he's hearing all this going on? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? That's like somebody dogging your city. Would you ever say that to anybody? Can anything good come out of San Gabriel? Can anything good come out of Arcadia? Can anything good come out of Huntington Beach? I mean, can anything good come out of these different areas? You wouldn't say that, would you, when you find out where somebody lives? Can anybody? That's what Nathaniel says, right? Really, some of the things that we only read about him are those words. Can anything good come out of where he's from? Yet we read this in Mark chapter 8. Let me turn there in my Bible. Obviously, you know, this is one of those scriptures, again, that uh, we read and refer to. Mark chapter 8, verse 27 through 30. Now Jesus and his disciples went out of the town of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? And so they answered, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. And then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about himself. When we read Mark chapter 1, there's an instant response when Jesus says, follow me, because we see Simon and Andrew drop the net that they were casting to follow him. We see uh, James and John mending their nets, and when Jesus says, follow me, they drop those nets, get out of whatever boat they're in to follow him. Now we read a situation where Jesus is asking them a question. Now let me let you know this. Jesus has no issue, he doesn't have a self-confidence issue that he wants to know what people think. But I love what, they're hearing that people think who Jesus is. And they think, some of them think, you're John the Baptist. Well, if you read your Bibles, John the Baptist has already been beheaded. He's dead. So Jesus, some of them think that you're the dead guy, John the Baptist. Okay? Now, those are the really sharp guys. They, they think. Now, others think you're Elijah. Oh, that's a, right? That's a, if somebody thought you were Elijah, that's encouraging of all the things Elijah did. But remember, Elijah, and that might have made of sense back then, because Elijah didn't die. Elijah was taken up to heaven in a chariot of horses and fire, right, up into heaven. Uh, he, he didn't die. That would make sense. Or one of the other prophets. Well, there are a lot of different prophets in the Bible. So here's what I think when I read this is the people are confused about who Jesus is. And so now Jesus goes from what are they saying on the outside to now who do you say that I am? 
In fact, one of the other Gospels will reiterate a little bit more of what Peter says. Peter says this, you are the Christ, right? One of the other Gospels says, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. It was revealed to you by the Father. It became personal then. It's one thing to drop your nets and follow because you really don't know what you're following. Now you're following something that's much bigger and greater than you think because it had to do with something personal that, hey, this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. What we've been hearing about, what we've been told from our parents, what we heard our grandparents tell, the Messiah, it's here and he came to us to follow after him and we're following. They didn't know what they were going to do. They would just follow what Jesus said to do. Peter didn't know that he's going to be the first guy preaching in the book of Acts and 3,000 are going to accept Jesus on that day. They didn't know that in just a little bit after that that uh, there was going to be a beggar, right, a guy that had been lame from his birth at the gate that they were just going to speak some words in Jesus' name and be healed. They didn't know all of those things. All they knew was, we're going to follow after this man. You know, when you read a little bit, um, if any of you have read the Book of Martyrs, you know, we don't, read, we don't know according to the Bible how Peter died, but according to the Book of Martyrs, he was crucified upside down. And the reason they said he was crucified upside down when they went to crucify him, he did not want to be crucified as the Lord was. He wanted to be crucified. Talk about a horrible choice, right? Turn me upside down. The Apostle Paul followed Jesus after a blinding light, knocked him on his rear end off the horse, began to speak to him, and he began to follow the Lord. He physically went through every type of beating and suffered because of what? The gospel, right? The gospel. He would write this, that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for us who believe, right, it is the power of God. You know, one of the things when we redid our, our sanctuary here, I always loved having the other cross that was in there and we put that backlit cross, not as an ornament, because nowadays it seems like crosses are, right, it's jewelry, it's ornament. It wasn't jewelry. Paul said, Paul was so changed, he said, the message of the cross, it's foolishness to those that are perishing. But for us who believe, it is the power of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, in fact, I call it 1B, it's out of the message translation and uh, it says this, in fact, one of the Apostle Paul's words says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Right? We could, in fact, let's all read this together. This is a good one to remember. Ready? Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. I think we opened with a song that talked a little bit about the inside out. You know, the inside work that God does always overflows on the outside. And he always starts within, but he starts with those when he says, follow me that follow him. Notice this, followers become adjusted to the culture. 
followers fit in without even thinking. My son sometimes will use, uh, how many of you heard the, the saying, I grew up with this, well, if they jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff with them? Anybody ever heard that? How many of you heard that over and over and over again? It's funny when you hear your kids repeat that. So are you saying if I follow them that it's like walking off the cliff with them? Don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even what? Thinking. Mind, will, emotion. Thinking. No, no, no. Fix your attention on God. And he says this. You'll be changed from the inside out. All right, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. A couple more verses here. Jesus again speaking about this. In fact, it's interesting. You go from follow me. You go from their understanding that he's the Christ. They're getting in deeper, aren't they? They're getting in a little bit deeper. And then he throws this on a crowd of people. He says to them, if anyone... Notice what he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. If anyone desires to come, well, you, you've called me to follow you. So if you, if you want to come after me, here's what you need to do. Deny yourself. Take up the cross. Now, when you said the cross in those days, a little different when because we think about Jesus on the cross. In those days, they knew the cross represented really one thing. A criminal, the worst of the worst of the worst, was going to die on the cross because of whatever hideous deed that they did. It was the worst of the worst. And carrying the cross meant, just like we read about in Jesus, they would carry that cross beam. They were required to carry it to the spot of their crucifixion. And everybody that watched along the way knew who that person was and why they were carrying the cross because of what they did. Now Jesus uses this word. If you want to follow me, you've got to deny self. You've got to take up your cross <laughs> and follow me. Different kind of cross. In fact, it's a great illustration for us to think of every morning when we get up and our feet hit the floor. Maybe some of you just kind of roll out of bed and hit the floor. I take the pillow off of my head and I get up and my feet hit the floor. Every morning we should have in mind that we're picking up our cross for the day. And our cross goes before us because the Apostle Paul will teach over and over Crucify this flesh daily. I'm carrying the cross this day. I'm following after Jesus this day. I understand that carrying this cross is an example of the power of the cross. Think about it. There's no salvation if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, but there's no resurrection from the dead without a cross. Right? He had to go through the cross to get to the resurrection, to get to where we could confess Jesus as Lord. And he's telling us this. You gotta come after me, you gotta deny self. You've got to pick up the cross. And I love those words where he says it again, right? Follow me. Follow what I, I say. If I'm following him, I'm following his words, his teachings. I'm following those teachings that are taught by his apostles in the Bible. That were captured, the Bible says these were written for us 
not by mere men's words, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit as a word for us even today. Last verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. And it says this, this is an amazing saying. I like how Apostle Paul writes that. This is an amazing saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. When we do water baptism, right? One of the examples of water baptism, the reason that we, well, for a better word, dunk or submerge, it's that old you going under as an example like Jesus the grave and the new you coming up for new life. It's that example, right? The new you. Well, it says this, for if we died with him, we shall live with him. If we endure, we shall reign with him. Right? We're in, we're in the process of enduring some pretty crazy times, but we're going to, and I don't like the word endure because it kind of makes it sound like we just kind of go along. God is not a one that endures, but I understand the meaning of if we endure with him, we'll reign with him. If we deny him, he denies us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. What a God that we follow, right? That will be faithful even if we're faithless. That the only situation that we don't want to find ourselves in is denying him. That we've been built for these days and we've been placed in the... I always think, too, like the, if the Apostle Paul could, I bet you he'd trade places with us today. He would trade places for the times that we're living in and the things... And you might think that sounds absolutely crazy. He would look at every opportunity that he could to get the gospel out because it is the power of God. You know, it's interesting when we take this life and we follow him... As I was reading just about, about, about a week and a half ago, Genesis 11 and Genesis 12, side by side. Genesis 11, you ever heard the story of the Tower of Babel? You ever read that in the Bible? And these guys all gathered together and they were going to build this tower up into the heavens. Really, they were going to compete with God. And God came down and confused their language. And that's probably where we discover in chapter 11 that all languages begin to change here on earth. What's interesting when we read about that is they wanted to create their own story. They wanted to create their own structure above the heavens. And it was back to almost like Satan where it says, you know, I'm going to be like the most high God. We're going to build ourselves this structure. In fact, what's powerful when you read is, and God says this, in fact, we read about it where we read again the word Elohim, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, where God recognizes that that they can do whatever they set their minds to do, right? He confuses their language. Take Genesis 12. Here's a guy named Abram. Abram's background with God is zero. Abram worships the sun, the moon, and the stars. If I told you that I howled at the moon every night, would that scare you a little bit? You know, I do a practice every night. With that skill, I mean, this is these guys are worshiping the sun, the moon, and the stars. He has no background with God, but God comes on the scene to a man named Abram, and Abram finds himself in God's story. And when he finds himself in God's story, God is going to take this guy that has no background knowing God, he's going to take his wife that are already older, and he's going to make every single descendant go through them. 
the promises and the things that they learned. Interesting, two chapters right next to each other. One of those that want to take their life into their own hands, and it ends up becoming nothing. The other has no idea what they're doing, but they're going to follow a God that says, come, I'm going to show you a land that you know not of, follow me. And he leaves with everybody. But he ends up, his life is in God's story. His life is in God's hands, and he's letting God name him. And look what it looks like even today, because he was faithful. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. My prayer today for us, because every single one of us finds ourselves following him. But every single one of us needs to hear those words that Jesus makes it personal. Walter, follow me. Notice there's not a big description in that word of the what to do. But it's found when I begin to follow after what he says. And he says, come follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and again, follow me. His words give life and light. His words give direction. Jeremiah speaks about that I can call on him and he'll answer me and he'll show me great and mighty things that I know not of. And that many of the times that when I pray and I'm really looking to him for direction, if I'm not hearing anything, that I don't run ahead and build something that's not what he says to do. Because I want to be like Abram, and I want to find myself in his story, his ways, because I've submitted my, I've denied myself to him. Father, I pray for all of us today that are here. That, Lord, we would be found following you. That when our, our feet hit the floor in the morning, it's almost like an image of we've packed the cross on our shoulder and we're off for the day. Regardless of all of the different places that we work and interact, you've placed us in every single place for a purpose, around people, for a reason. But I follow you and I listen to your voice and I carry my cross to follow you because you are placing me in that place because I'm in your story because I'm submitted to you. Lord, we command that to be a blessing upon us and, and reveal that to our hearts and our spirits today. We bless and we honor you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Stand with me if you would. We're going to close with this song. Father in heaven, sing with us. Father, I'm sorry. Blessed be the Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord, God Almighty, who reigns forever. Let's sing, Father in heaven. 
lifted this morning. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns remembers the words follow me isn't it great Jesus makes things sometimes simple so if you're struggling remember those words follow me you might need to tell somebody well, pick up your cross or I'm gonna nail you no don't tell me you nail him to the cross but anyways the Lord bless you great to see you. if you need prayer today we would be honored to pray with you but the Lord bless you we praying for you this week we'll see you this next week God bless you have a great day